Hi there and God bless you. I'm Brian Hallam. I pray that this message is a blessing to you. Thank you for downloading it and thank you for following me on Twitter and Instagram and for liking and sharing what we post there. I just want you to know that I believe God wants to do something great in your life and in your family. So as we go into the Word today, let's go in with faith and hope and a high level of expectation for what God is going to do in your life. Praise God. Turn to your neighbor and say, Daylight Savings, and you can be seated. Praise the Lord. I want to talk this morning, not too long, but I want to talk about... Living the unbroken life, the unbroken life of faith. Last week we talked about the purpose of God, the purpose of God in your life, the purpose of your life when it comes to the things of God. And the reality is if your purpose is not greater than your past, your past will entice you. You have to have something in the rear view, in the windshield that is more enticing than what's in the rear view. Your purpose in life is simple, especially related to this church. If you know it, say it with me. We exist to love people and point them to Christ. When you're a part of the body of Christ, your purpose begins to propel you or push you when nothing else does. Because the reality of your life is you are no longer your own. You are bought and paid for with a price. The problem is there are all kind of things that are pursuing you. So if we're going to live a life with unbroken faith, there has to be a shift or a cause that we recognize our purpose in God is too great to be messing around with all the nonsense of life. But in order to do that, some of the daily stuff has to be shifted in in terms of our priorities. Everybody say priorities. So many things are vying for your priorities. Your, your, your job, your school, your family, your friends, your animals, your house, your yard, your, yeah, the, the fence that needs painting. Everything is wrestling and driving after your priorities. And so many times we say things like this. We say, well, I would have done it, but I didn't have enough time. When the reality is we all have 24 hours in a day. We all wish we had more sometimes, sometimes less, praise God. But so many times in life we say, I didn't have time. And and I heard a man say one time, he he created uh, one of the first metal detectors. His last name was Garrett. And he, he went to the school that I went to. So he came and did a speech one time. And I listened to the speech and he said, he said, the reality is, is, Everybody has the same amount of time. So to say I didn't have time is not necessarily accurate. An accurate depiction would be I prioritized something else higher than that. In other words, we all have the same amount of time. We just have to dictate what we're going to prioritize to make sure that we align our priorities with the things of God. Somebody say amen. So many times, though, so many things are wrestling for our time. Let me give you a couple of examples. I read a book one time right before we had uh, started having kids, and, and I'll never forget, I earmarked this one page in the book because the author made the quote, and he said, whether you are volunteering at a soup kitchen or you are at the bowling league, if you are away from your family, if you volunteer your time, you have volunteered your family to be without you. In other words... You are prioritizing for that timetable something else over your family or whatever else you have going on at that time. 
So the reality is we have to pay very close attention to our priorities if we're going to have the results that we are believing God for. Number one, if you're taking notes, when it comes to the things and the kingdom of God, when it comes to the priorities of the things of God, the first key that we have to unlock, that we use to unlock is we have to have some priorities. I know that sounds very elementary, but the truth is the bulk of society is walking around without many priorities outside of what somebody tells them to do. Your job tells you what time to be there. Your job tells you what time you're going to go to lunch. Your job tells you what time you go home. Your, your kids' extracurricular activity tells you what time you're going to go pick them up. The school tells you what time you're going to go, uh, uh, what time the kids are going to get out of school. The television show that comes on, uh, maybe it's The Voice or American Idol or whichever one you like better, comes on. And that prioritizes what time you're going to watch it. Well, nowadays it doesn't prioritize what time you're going to watch it, but it prioritizes what you're going to do for an hour and a half that particular day. So many things are vying for our time that we have to, on purpose, have some priorities or All the other ancillary things will set our priorities and we as individuals will wake up six months, one year, five years, ten years later and we'll be doing the same thing, talking about the same stuff in the same environment as opposed to setting some priorities and holding those priorities that are in line with the things of God. Now all of a sudden you begin to see the abundant life come to pass in your life but it takes small steps where you begin to decide the Things of God and the kingdom of God will be the utmost, the foremost, the pinnacle of the priorities in my life and my family. But the first step is you have to have some. An eagle that chases two rabbits doesn't catch one. The book of James, which we ought to read because the Bible says that that Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. James was not just his brother. He also was a friend, I believe. And the Bible says that in the book of James chapter number one, a double-minded person is unstable in all of their ways. In other words, if you have two different focuses all the time, Have you ever been just so busy you don't feel like you can even have another conversation? You have like five different conversations going on. The other day we were having uh, lunch and my wife says to me, she says, who are you talking to? And I said, what do you mean? She said, you were just talking. You were like having a conversation. I was like, oh, I was talking to myself. Praise the Lord. She said, what were you talking about? I said, well, I got this deal that I'm working right now, and I was working on the deal in my head. And the reality was I was having a conversation with my children. I apparently was not having a very good conversation with my wife, and I was talking to the voices in my head. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Have you ever been there where you just feel like you have five different things, and the reality is some laser focus in one direction. You can finish the one thing before you start the other thing. A double-minded man is unstable in all of their ways. If you're going to see the things of God come to pass in your life, you've got to begin to prioritize the things of God. You've got to begin to make the house of God a priority, the things of God a priority, the word of God a priority, your time with God a priority, your time with your family a priority. These are things that will shift every facet of your life, but if you don't have some priorities, there are focus groups that are constantly being met with by production companies and networks that are saying, how can we get them to watch TV for five more minutes? 
How can we get them to look at our website for five more minutes? How can we get them to listen to our radio station for five more minutes? They are working overtime, whoever they are. They are working overtime to prioritize your life for you. Christians have to stand up and say, we are in the world. We are not of the world. And our priority starts with he is the alpha and he is the omega. He is the beginning. He is the end. He is the first and the last, the author and the finisher. In him will I trust and everything else is sinking sand. When Christians decide to establish some priorities, now all of a sudden your purpose begins to become pursuable. You begin to see clear direction facing your purpose. You begin to see how you can accomplish the things that God has put in your life. So number one, you got to have some. So if we have to have some, I think it would be nice if the Lord would kind of itemize a few. Well, the Bible says in the book of Matthew chapter number 22 that that's exactly what happened. Somebody came to Jesus and said, Jesus, and this is, this sounds like a question, like, like if, if I had like 30 seconds with Jesus, you know, this would be one of the questions I think I would like to ask one-on-one. Jesus, what's the most important commandment? In other words, what is the top priority of the kingdom of God? What's the number one priority in the kingdom? Jesus says this. He says, he says, uh, uh, verse 37, Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. But Jesus is not a one and done type savior. So when you ask, he will always do exceeding abundantly above more than you can ask or think. So whenever he was asked what's the most important commandment, it's natural, supernatural, but natural for Jesus to not give one answer, but rather to give two answers because one answer would be answering the question, but two answers is abundantly above more than they were actually asking in that moment. He says, first off, you need to love God with all your heart, your mind, and your your soul and your mind. Verse 38 says, this is the first and great commandment, but the second one is like the other. Love your neighbor... As yourself, on these two commandments or priorities hang all the law and the prophets. The first priority of a Christian is to love God with all of your heart, all of your soul. That's your mind, your will, and your emotions, and all of your mind or your intellect. That means when you sense the presence of God, that means that you shouldn't shut your heart down, but rather you should engage your heart in the love and the worship of the things of God. That's why we prioritize worship so well, because so much, because God inhabits the praises of his people. And when we sense him among us, our heart, that, 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 that emotional side of ourself is stimulated. Then it says, not just with your heart, but also with your soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your will. You remember the, 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 the uh, uh, King David, he wrote one time, he said, he said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. He was telling himself, this is what I'm going to do. In other words, your soul is your mind, your will, and that's the point I want to talk about, your will and your emotions. But you have to 
You have to determine you're going to worship God. You have to determine you're going to pursue the things of God. Everything else is vying for your time, your effort, and your energy. And somebody needs to learn the real... This is probably one of the most powerful words in the whole human language. You're going to love it. You guys look me right in the face. It's kind of hard to understand sometimes. But it's one of the most powerful words in the whole human language. Watch this. No. Your friends and family are going to ask you to do things and you've got to find a way to say no to some stuff. Not because you don't want to help somebody, not because you don't love somebody, but because you've got to prioritize the things of God over everything else. If not, the devil will keep you so busy that nothing's a priority for you. You're just told what to do from place to go. You got the pancake supper. You got the, you got the, 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 the kids fundraise. You got the kids sporting event. You got, oh, I got to be at Kiwanis Club or Rotary Club or the Lions Club or whatever. And every one of those things is phenomenal. But if you got something scheduled for 23 and a half hours out of every single day, where does God go? Where is the Lord in this equation? At what priority level is God in the equation when we have so spread ourselves so thin that we have not prioritized him? I'll tell you where to put him. You put him first. The Bible says, seek, come on somebody, first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things shall be added unto you. But the devil says, if you'll seek the things, you'll find God. It's not true. You don't seek things to find God. You seek God and all these things will be added. That's your will. You decide this is what I'm going to do. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in. That is a declaration of faith that that steers. It's the rudder of your life that says I'm going to constantly. His praises will continually be in my mouth. He later wrote, he said, bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my will, oh my mind, oh my emotions. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Then he said this, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. You decide I'm not moving off the things of God. He is my priority. His son shed his only, he said his his spotless, precious blood for you and me. It is just reasonable. It is a reasonable recompense for us to give our entire life to him. For us to give every facet of our life to him. Because when you do, trust me, there are untold treasures that only come when you make God a priority in your life. You begin to hear the secret things that he wants to tell you. You begin to hear him whisper your name. You begin to have him speak to you in the night. You say, God will speak to you in the night. God will speak to you in dreams and visions. He will tell you things about your future to protect you from pitfalls and to, and to help you propel to greater futures. He will whisper great things in your ears. The treasures of heaven are on the line. But we have to make God a priority with our heart, with our soul. And get this. With our mind. Some of you guys are super smart. I can tell. Because y'all married up. Praise the Lord. (laughs) We've got to engage our intellect with the things of God as well. 
When you start reasoning with the scripture, the the scripture becomes much more reasonable. You should never check your intellect at the door when it comes to the things of God. There have been many subcultures built in the body of Christ because somebody had a significant amount of charisma and they misused terminology. They misused some scripture to try to make people take their intellect out of the equation. And then all of a sudden it becomes fanatical without any balance. The Bible says we worship God in spirit and and in truth. So we don't just worship God with our heart. It's not just our emotions. We don't just worship God when we feel like it. We tell our will, hey, this is what we do. All that's within me is going to worship God. I will bless the Lord at all times. Well, what does that mean? That means when you're walking in the hospital and you wish you weren't, you're still blessing the Lord at all times. That means when the, when, when the boss comes in and says, hey, just so you know, we're going to be having some layoffs. You don't go to your room and cry like the world. The first thing you do is say, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I remember the last time, it's been a long time for me and I thank God for that, but I remember the last time I was sick to my stomach and I'm not going to paint a picture for it for you guys, but the last time I was sick to my stomach, I was sitting there and and, and for me, uh, it doesn't happen much, I don't get sick much because I'm healed by the stripes on Jesus' back, praise the Lord, I'll never be sick another day in my life, but I remember the last time I was in my bedroom and I was about to make my way back to the bathroom and, and look at the commode and, and when I got in there, I was sitting there and, and, and I had that time in between, you know what I'm talking about, so I'm, I'm looking down. And I know something's probably fixing to happen, praise the Lord. But I'm sitting there and I was feeling terrible. And I, immediately I thought, man, I don't get an opportunity like this very often. I always feel good. I always feel great. I always feel like God is blessing me. I, right now, I feel absolutely terrible. I do not get this opportunity very often. And so I'm sitting there. And, and again, I'll try not to paint too much a picture. But I've already got a little bit of, a little bit of spit just dripping out of my mouth like that. And I just started singing. I started thinking. I started thinking. What a good God you've been to me. Crystal comes in and says, what are you doing? I said, He's provided far beyond everything I need. What else can I do but give praise to you? What a good God you've been to me. And then it started. Praise the Lord. (laughs) But I thought, I don't ever feel like this. I'm going to take me a moment. And I'm going to let the devil know a stomach bug won't even stop me from worshiping God. You can try what you want. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Hadn't had another stomach bug since, praise the Lord. See, there's something about living for God when you decide he is my priority. Somebody say priority. The first one is you love God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. Then he says, love your neighbor. How? As yourself. The Bible says they won't know we're Christians by how much we love sinners. It says we'll know, they'll know we're Christians by how we love one another. That's why when you were growing up and you saw a bunch of hypocrites in church, it turned your stomach. Ooh, it's quiet. That's because it was like, well, wait a minute. The preacher's saying that and sister... Sister Salamander is saying that when people are around, but when everybody walks off, Sister Salamander starts talking about everybody. 
Or brother bucket mouth is super nice when he opens the door. Oh, God bless you. Come on in here. Praise the Lord. And as soon as he shuts the door, you go, would you believe what they did last week? And everybody walks in and goes, y'all are a bunch of fakes. And the reality is, is we're, we're, we're all skewed. None of us are perfect. But he says, you will know Christians how they love one another. The Bible says, number one, love God with everything you got. But then number two, you got to love everybody else like you love yourself. How do I love myself? I always give myself the benefit of the doubt. We measure people on their actions and we measure ourselves on our intentions. We'll say the meanest thing you could imagine. Then we'll say, oh, I didn't mean it that way. I didn't mean it that way. They, you, you could sneeze and somebody doesn't say God bless you to you. Well, what's wrong with them? Praise the Lord. I would have said God bless you. We start measuring everybody by how we would have acted. I would have never said that. Well, you're not Christ. Praise the Lord. And we're thankful that you're not. <laughs> but we got to get to the place where Christians decide to love one another, praise the Lord, like we love ourselves. In other words, well, well, what does that mean? The Bible says perfect love covers a multitude of sins. Love will cover sin. Christians ought to be covering each other's shortcomings. Did you know so-and-so went through bankruptcy one time, yada, yada, yada? The minute it hits your ears, God let that never come out. I don't ever want anybody to know that they went through bankruptcy. And nobody over there ever has. But I don't want anybody to know that that happened. God, just raise them up. Equip them, Lord. Just cover that. Just shield it. I plead the blood of Jesus. I say their finances will increase. I commit I'll never be jealous a day in my life. I will only be inspired when I hear about the things of God. I pray, Lord God, that that would never go anywhere else in Jesus' We begin to love one another like God loves us and like we love ourselves. It's a shift in your mentality. It's a shift in your priorities. You begin to measure things differently. You begin to you say, man, I'm just not going to get offended. Why? Because I don't get offended with myself. Why would I get offended with somebody else? Well, does it stop there? Nope, those are the two biggies. Somebody say biggie. Those are the two big ones. But Matthew 23, 23 says, do this, but don't leave the other undone. This is the starting point for living a life with godly priorities. You learn the rest of them through being active in the things of God. You begin to find out, you know, what bothers somebody or what doesn't bother somebody. One of the greatest conversations you can ever have in a marriage is honey, baby, doll, bae, Sugar plum, whatever you call each other. Is there anything that I do that offends you? Would you please tell me? Because just because they're giving you the benefit of the doubt or enduring it doesn't mean you want them to have to endure the negative things that you bring to the table. Wouldn't it just be better if you could just flip it and not bring them to the table anymore? Haven't you ever eaten that meal that you didn't like, but you ate it just because you wanted to make the person feel good? Wouldn't it be cooler if they'd have said, you know what, I don't really like this. How about we order some pizza? I would slap the plate off the table, just yes. I would have been praying in tongues at the, at the, at, at dinner. Father, would you please bless, ooh, I feel like pray. Pizza Hut, Little Caesars. Papa John, Papa John, Papa John, Little Caesars. All of a sudden, you feel like ordering pizza? I do. God. 
You feel that? Mmm, pizza. Praise God. Isn't it just better when you don't have to endure stuff indefinitely? And, and so the law of reaping and sowing takes place. When you say that, almost without a doubt, they're going to say, well, okay, is there anything that I do that bothers you? And don't do this. Well, if you'll turn to page three, I've got, I've been working on this for a bit. It's about these things right here. So don't do it that way. You know, just ease into them. You know what I'm saying? Just a couple of, couple of little items. What you do is the big ones, love God with everything you have and then love your neighbor as yourself. Let me just say this kind of as a side item. We're almost done. But let me just say this. You got to know how to love yourself to know how to love your neighbor. Now, don't get this twisted with the world. The world will lie to you and say it's about self-love. No, Jesus is not about self-love. But you need to know who you are in Christ. Because if you recognize that you're a son of the son or a daughter of the Most High God, if you recognize you're the righteousness of God in Christ, now you're positioned to recognize who they are. They are a son or a daughter of the Most High God. They are the righteousness of God in Christ. They are your brother and your sister in Christ Jesus. And if you're not nice to them, God will make you live by them in heaven. You'll have to walk by every day on your way to Glory Avenue to Starbucks in heaven getting your holy coffee grounds, praise the Lord. But you just, you just begin to say, you begin to get a, a proper picture of yourself, not haughty, not arrogant. But you begin to say, this is who I am in God. This is who I am in Christ. And now, you, now you're positioned to love somebody else. Secondly, you look at it and you say, well, how would I like to be treated if that was me? And for a lot of us, it doesn't take much thought. This is the engagement of the mind, the intellect. It doesn't take much thought. When you look back of how you used to behave or act or what you thought about people or how you talked about people, when you hear somebody else doing it, how would you like to have been treated if somebody heard you in your worst moment? It's a lot easier than we make it out. How would you like to be treated if somebody knew the worst thing you've ever done? Would y'all like to hear the worst thing that Crystal's ever done? (laughs) She like changed lanes one time without her blinker. That was the Mother Teresa up here. I married a saint. I reckon if you're not married yet, marry a saint. Makes life real easy. But how would you like to be treated if honestly somebody knew the worst thing you'd ever done? I'll never forget my pastor one time. We had somebody in the church that did something really crazy. Wasn't here. Nobody knows him. But it was was crazy. And I thought, because my pastor like walks in love at a crazy level. And I thought, oh man, pastor's going to ask me to throw him out of the church. That's what I thought was going to happen. And, and he, said, he said something that changed my whole life. He said, we don't get this opportunity very often. I'm like, yeah, so we're going to throw him out or what? And he goes, no, we don't get this kind of opportunity. He said, we're going to cover this because love covers sin. He said, we will not fail this test. He said, and we will treat them how we would want to be treated if somebody knew the worst thing 
we'd ever done. So we built a little jail in the church, put them in the... <laughs> we just covered it. And then, here, here's the thing. He didn't just talk about it. He really did. To this day, that person is still in church. Still serving God. Completely forgiven. Complete, come on, give God a hand of praise. Christians, we love people like we love ourselves. We give ourselves the benefit of the doubt almost exclusively. We need to give others the benefit of the doubt. The scripture continues in Matthew six thirty three. I mentioned it earlier. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Number one, you got to have some priorities. Number two, you got to align your priorities with Christ. They have, they have to be in line with Jesus' priorities. You, you don't get the privilege of making up your own priorities and be a Christian. That would be me being a Brian because they would be my own priorities. It would be like I would be writing my own Bible. No, we follow after the word because Jesus is the word. So for us, we get some priorities, but then we got to know where to get them. We align them with Christ. The first two are the big ones. Love God with everything you have. And love your neighbor as yourself. But then we begin to pick up those ancillary things. And that's where really, that's where the secret part of the relationship is. Like Crystal and me, you guys, you'll always see our relationship, you know, in, the, in, in this environment. You know, might, I might sneak a kiss every now and then. But there's conversations that we have and have had that nobody on the planet will ever know about. Because... The, the, the big stuff, the loving one another, yeah, we're going to do that. But you'll never see the secret intimate stuff. You'll never see that as we don't in your family. But those are the parts that are more precious to me than everything else. When you start pursuing God and he starts developing in you the secret parts of your relationship with him, what, what do you mean? I mean, he'll, he'll, just, he'll just nudge you at the right time. And you'll know it's him. I remember one time I had a, a man that he called himself my guardian angel. And he was a big burly marine. And I was a kid. I was probably, I don't know, six or seven years old if I had to guess. And every time I'd see him, we'd, we'd have a handshake. And I'd squeeze his hand as hard as I could. He'd squeeze my hand and just about break it. And then he'd stop and he'd go, oh, you got me. Wow. You know, it's one of those type things. You know, one of those real manly guys. And, and he would take me to work with him. And he taught me some things about work. And, you know, just a real prominent, wonderful relationship. Great bright light in my, in my uh, childhood. And he died of a heart attack one night, unexpectedly. And he was, he, was just, he was just a gruff, rough guy. He was full of love. He was, you know, but, but he was a man, you know. And he would always, when he would walk up to me, anytime I was about to leave him, he would, he would come and, come here, Micah, come here, stand right here, look that way. He would come and he would go, now, don't you forget, when you think about doing something you're not supposed to do, I want you to remember, I'm right here. And he would like, thank you, he would like bruise my shoulder. I'm like, what kind of angel are you? Praise the Lord. He goes, I'm right here. And he'd, he'd tap my shoulder and it would, he'd, he'd bruise it. But I would think about it. When I was growing up, Friday night, we would be at a football game, 
And the little kids would be off running around. And some of the kids would be like, hey, let's climb through the fence and, and whatever. And I'd be about to go through. And then I remember, I'm right here. I'm like, oh, I'm not going through the fence. Why not? Well, my shoulder. But I wouldn't do it. And, and, and then, you know, he, he died of a heart attack. And he left me some stuff, which was kind of cool. Um, but, but I remember at the funeral, he had a military funeral. And I, I remember the military guys, the, the Marine guys walking in. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I've never, never been in the service. I thank God for those who serve. But they walked, and man, they looked so cool. And they were just, they, were, they walked in, boom, boom, boom. And they turned, pow, and they sat down in the thing. And I thought, I thought, whoa, that's like he was, tough. And I said, Mom, Dad, I said, I, I want to sit by myself today. And I went, I sat by myself, and there's nobody around me. And I looked at those guys, so they were sitting, and that's how I was going to sit. You know, I'm six or seven years old, and I'm just, you know, just sitting like they are, just like they're staring at nothing, you know? Y'all know how they do. And just staring. I'm trying to do it. And, and the preacher talks about his life and tells all about it. And I thought, man, what a, what a, good, what a good God. I'm so glad to know him. And, you know, it was, it was just a, it was a good service. Then they started playing taps on the bugle, you know. And I didn't know any of this was going to happen because I'm just a kid. They start playing taps. And then, then all of a sudden, that da, da, da. And then all of a sudden, the 21-gun salute starts. Pow! And it was like somebody was shooting me because I missed him so much. And I'd never tell you something that wasn't true. But as soon as that song was over, Something tapped me on the shoulder three times. And I look, and there's nobody within three pews of where I'm sitting. And I'm not telling you that God allowed him to reach from heaven and tap me on the shoulder. But something happened that day. And it marked my life to say, whoa, this is not the end. That box is not the end. There's something more. You see, it is the part of God that is the ancillary, the stuff you do on top of the big things that brings about the special parts of a relationship that only making the kingdom of God a priority will make you a candidate for. You've got to align your priorities with God's priorities. And then the first, alpha, number one, the beginning, the first thing you pursue is the kingdom. You're here on a Sunday morning on daylight savings. You're here with one hour less sleep. I commend you. When you make God a priority, God makes you a priority. When you align your priorities with God's priorities, you begin to see God-type results. Here's just a few very quickly, then we're going to close. You make the house of God a priority for you and your family. You let your kids see you worship. Oh, you don't understand. No, it's a big difference. You get them up, put their clothes on, brush their teeth, comb their hair, or at least try to, praise the Lord. Get them to church. And listen, they won't recognize the effort it takes to do that until they're 30. But they'll look back and they'll say, whoa, man, it it was harder to go to church than it was to go to school. 
No school bus drives around and picks you up and takes you to church. We had to get up and decide to do that. No, they'll see that. You'll see that. Not one thing in my life personally has been more influential than making the house of God a priority. Long before we were ever pastors. You make the house of God a priority. Easter's coming up. There'll be people here that may never come to church another day in their life. And they got to see us loving one another. They'll know we're Christians. And then I'm going to hit them right between the eyes with the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're going to give their heart to God. Because on Easter, we come to serve. We don't come to sit. We came to serve. We came to. Jesus said, I didn't come here to be served. I came to serve. Seek that which is lost. The lost will be here in less than a month. And they'll know where our priorities are. They'll see them and sense them. Make the house of God a priority. Mom, dad, you make your family time a priority. There's nothing, there's nothing you can do with your kids without time. It takes time. Sometimes it takes time just for you to see an opportunity. And that may mean saying no to some things. That may mean, you know, Friday night, we don't go out with all of our friends anymore. Every Friday. I'm not saying never. But you want to be the most prominent voice in their life. Come on, somebody say amen right there. You want to be the most prominent voice in their life. And if you don't have time with them, you do not. You will not be. Somebody else will be. And Pastor Crystal and myself and none of the leadership of this church has more authority in your home than you do. You have the ultimate authority in your house. Another great way that you can prioritize the things of God is you make Christian conversation a priority. That means with your friends that you know are born again, your family that you know are born again, don't talk about football all day. Talk about football all you want. As long as it's the Cowboys, it's good. Praise the Lord. But outside of that, you need to get to a place where you say, hey, what's the Lord saying to you? What's the Bible say? Hey, you'd like, would you like to just pray for a second? You make, you make Christian, because what happens is the deep sides of you will cry out into the deep parts of the other person. Things will begin to shift in your life. You'll begin to experience things. You'll begin to experience things that you can only have when you purposely pursue Christian, Christian conversations. If somebody starts talking about politics and they never shut up about it, you say to them, well, how do you think that lines up with the Bible? Usually that'll do one of two things. It'll either shut them up if they need to be shut up or it'll stimulate the conversation to get it back on the things of God. Because we don't, we don't park our Christianity outside the voting booth. We do our very best to vote in line with God's word a lot of times it takes conversations. Prioritizing the things of God. We pray over our food. At a restaurant, we stop and pray over our food. If you're, if you're not the type to yell and shout about it, don't yell and shout about it. Just do it real quietly. But what that does is it sets the standard in your home, whether you have kids or not. Even if you're single, it sets the standard in your home, in your household, that we prioritize God even over the sustenance that we're about to receive. He is our priority. This is what Christianity is. Christianity is not a free life uh, with no strings attached. It's an exchange of a life. 
You take his life, he takes your rotten, old, sorry life. You give him your life, your whole life. You prioritize the things of God, the house of God. If you don't serve on a first touch team, you join our first touch team. You can stop by the tent right after service. We especially need you this uh, next few weeks with Easter coming up. There's all kinds of things. You can put your hand to the plow, and then you're prioritizing the things of God above other things. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, well, I can't go to church on Wednesday night. I'm not telling you you have to, but if you moved your schedule around to do it, you'd see God move. I'm not saying you have to. Some people have careers that will never be an option for them, and that's why we have church three times on Sunday, so that people can have an option to be in the house of God when they have the opportunity. But if you move some things around say, this is my priority, You watch God move in your life. He'll shift everything. He'll shift everything. Your life becomes the things of God. We were going to the carnival or the fair in Houston. All the rides there were almost there pulling up. And and Walker, our nine-year-old, says, Can we do some witnessing while we're here? It's the things of God. It, and, and look, he's a little boy, okay? And he's very special, but he's doing what he has seen prioritized in front of him. That means if you're going to the family reunion and it's nothing but a bunch of this or this, this is what they're going to see as a priority. But if you say, whoa, no, didn't know you guys were going to be doing that. God bless you. Love you all. If you need something, holler at me. But we're going to be in the house of the living God. We're going to be pursuing the things of God. God is our priority and that is not going to be on my children. It's a shift. It's a a priority shift. You start deciding things like this. I don't miss church for anything that I wouldn't miss work for. I don't miss church for something that, that I wouldn't miss, you know, that I wouldn't show up to work for. Why? Because the house of God is a priority. And you begin to shift it. Now listen, I've been preaching this a lot longer than I've been a pastor, so don't mis- misunderstand me. Crystal and I, when we got married 14 years ago, we never one time, never, there's never been a Sunday morning when we were in town when we said, are we going to the house of God? I can't think of one. I can't think of one time. Because it's a priority to us. And now I'm watching, and now my nine-year-old saying, Dad, I see all the rides and stuff, but, but can we just like witness to some people? Make sure they know Jesus and stuff. It's a shift. It's, it's a whole thing. Changes everything. Stand to your feet if you would. Your purpose is too great for you to be messing with all the silly stuff in life. Your priorities have to line up with God's priorities. You don't get the privilege of setting your own priorities unless you want to have an unknown future. If you want God's future for your life, you establish His priorities as your own. And when you accept His priorities as your own, you never have to have another argument. Because if somebody doesn't agree with your stance politically or otherwise, you say, look, I didn't even come up with it. I just got it from the Bible. If you don't like the Bible, that's fine. But it's the Bible that determined for me what is correct or incorrect. You say, well, what if I don't know what the Bible says? You love God with all your heart, your soul, and your... You go find it. How do I find it? 
Google's a pretty good start. Bible verses on healing. Bible verses on prosperity. Bible verses on raising a family. Now, everything's not going to be good that you find. But that's what this is for. God gives you discernment. You can just filter through all of it and find it. Bow your head and close your eyes. If you're here today, you're not right with God. That's the first priority you need is you need to be born again. You need to have your name written in the Lamb's book of life. Maybe your sins feel heavy. The Bible says that though your sins were scarlet, he'll wash you white as snow. Maybe you used to walk strong with God, but you backslid. You're like the prodigal son. You're far from him. When I count to three, if that's you, and you say, I need to give my life to Jesus today. When I count to three, I want you to lift your hand tall and bold. And with an uplifted hand, you're saying, oh God, remember me. And he really, really will. One, two, three. Lift your hands. I see that hand, praise the Lord. I see that hand, praise the Lord. I see that hand, praise the Lord. Is there anyone else? So proud of you for making that decision. If you lifted your hand or you wanted to, pray this prayer after me. Matter of fact, church, help us pray. Say this. Say, oh God, I come to you now and I ask you to save me. Write my name in your book. I repent of my sins. I believe Jesus died and rose from the dead for my victory. I'm a Christian now on my way to heaven in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I'm going to ask one more question. If you're here today and, and you say, man, this is the church for me, but I've never joined it. We have new membership classes coming up. They'll be going on in April. You're going to love it. You don't want to miss it. There's no prerequisite to join our church. If you know that you need to make the house of God a priority for you and your family, I encourage you to take a step of faith today. I'm not going to call you to the front and embarrass you, but we do want to celebrate with you. If that's you and you say, preacher, I know this is the house for me. The Bible says that those that are planted in the house of God will flourish in his courts. The Bible says that those that are planted here, they're partakers of every grace that's on this house. I want the grace that's on this house, the grace of health, the grace of prosperity, the grace of peace, the grace of joy. I want that on your family. So if that's you and you're here today, you say, man, I do want to join this church. I feel like it's the church for me. Again, I'm not going to make you speak in the microphone. I'm not even going to call you up here. When I count to three, just lift your hands. Let us tell you we love you. One, two, three. Lift them up. Put your hands together, y'all. I don't see anybody this morning. Father, would you bless your people coming in? Bless them going out. Bless them in the city. Help us align our priorities with your priorities. And we'll see your hand move in our life this day and every day. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you'd like more information about Pastor Brian or New Heights Church, visit newheightschurch.info. And be sure to follow Pastor Brian on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, thank you so much for liking and sharing.